all about, we're talking all about the Bible over the next four weeks. And so hopefully my, my goal is, is for you to like get all the Bible jokes uh, that anytime you hear one, you'll be able to laugh and enjoy that. Before we jump into the message, I'd like for us to actually have uh, just a few seconds of silence. Uh, it is Memorial Day weekend. And I know we've got a lot of uh, fun plans and cookouts and stuff. Uh, I made the really dumb decision to go camping uh, for the next couple nights. And so it's going to be hot for that. But before we do that, let's, let's take a moment of silence and just remember why this weekend exists uh, for those that uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice uh, for our freedom. So let's do that now and then I'll pray. God, we, uh, we're grateful for what we get to enjoy because of other people uh, standing in the gap in front of us. God, we thank you for their sacrifice. We ask that you uh, watch over and give peace and comfort uh, to those who are mourning um, today or tomorrow. And we ask that, um, God, as we live our lives uh, in a sacrificial way like Jesus did, that we keep, we keep how you love us in the forefront of how we treat others. And God, we thank you uh, for this time that we have to, to pause and focus in on you. But God, we also thank you for those who have um, laid down their lives so we have the freedom to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So my hope, like I said, is that by the end of this series, you'll feel more equipped to familiar, familiarize yourself with the Bible, not just as a piece of important historical and religious literature, but also as your primary source for your faith, your belief, and for your practice. And to speak plainly, my hope is that your interest in reading and studying the Bible either begins or is renewed over the next four weeks. Uh, by what it is and by its contents. The Bible and its authority is our topmost core value at Velocity. I don't know if you knew that, but that stands right at the top. It informs and instructs who we are as a church, why we are the way that we are. Um, and so, so we're going to be talking about that. I, I just got to warn you ahead of time, this is, this is the kind of stuff, this message is an introduction to the Bible. Um, this is the kind of stuff that I geek out to. And so I, I understand like you might not geek out like I do about the Bible, but I hope uh, that maybe you get a little bit of my energy as much as like, you know, you guys know that, that know me, like I'm not like crazy, you know, about stuff, but just pretend like, like I'm like that when I'm talking about the Bible. And, and first and foremost, the thing we got to understand about the Bible is that the Bible is a book. And, and therein lies the problem. Actually, technically, it's 66 books, but we'll talk more about that, that later. And therein lies the problem, I think, for our engagement with the Bible. And I'm going to give you quite a few statistics this morning uh, to kind of build, build a narrative of why I think we don't read the Bible and why we need to and why it's important. Uh, but the big thing is, like, I think the fact that the Bible is a book is one of our biggest problems because we don't read anymore as a culture. And the numbers back this up as well. Uh, there's been a 30% drop since 2004 in reading for pleasure on a, on a given day uh, among, among everybody in the United States. In 2017, the average American spent more than two hours and 45 minutes per day watching TV every day of the year, or nearly 10 times the amount of time they devoted to reading for pleasure. 
Now, maybe that doesn't describe you. I love reading. I grew up loving to read. My sister and I fought over the Sunday comics, and so it kind of started there, maybe, where I I love comic books. I love Hardy Boys. I love, I'll read my kids' children's books. I I mean, I enjoy those things. Mr. Lemoncello's Library is like, that's a fantastic book. If you haven't read it, it's a children's book. I enjoy all kinds of things, long series, short series, sci-fi, fantasy, all kinds of genre. I enjoy, I enjoy those kinds of things. I have a good imagination. Imagination, and so I can go like wherever in my own little world when, when I read a book. Is anybody else like that in here? You can sweet. All right, so we have this like like camaraderie here, and, and you get get what I'm talking about. And I, I'm grateful to my parents and my teachers, uh, my school and public libraries that have kind of helped to foster some of that love of reading and 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 give me an outlet for that. My kids love to read now because of that, and they have those opportunities, and and so that's amazing. I used to rock the book it program. Anybody remember this little button? and you get those stars, if you didn't know about this, then, then shame on your teacher. Because when you get the stars filled on your button, you got a free personal pan pizza at Pizza Hut. And I used to, that was a big deal back in the day. I used to rock those things like a boss. I re- <laughs> See, I'm passionate, that's my passion coming through. I read for fun, I read for life improvement, I read for knowledge, I get to read for work. I read the Bible quite often, a lot of other books that kind of go along with that. I also, uh, along with that, get to write a lot because of that. So I get to write a paper pretty much most weeks and all the research that comes with that. I did some math about how many words I typically write per Sunday for a sermon, and I've written about five novels worth uh, of the last several years while I've been here uh, just at Velocity, and, uh, which is cool, and I enjoy doing that. Um, but, but here's the thing that I want you to know about. As much as I might enjoy and love teaching and preaching and reading the Bible and books about the Bible to come here and to share a message that I hope will be somehow life transformative if we put it into practice because it's God's word and that's what he does for us. None of that is going to matter if we aren't all reading the Bible together. Our communal response to and experience of the good news of Jesus will always be in direct proportion to our familiar, our, our, easy for me to say, and I wrote it, our familiarity with the Bible. There's been a quite, a bit of, quite a bit of research done on how much people interact with the Bible, and while there's curiosity in some interaction, um, how often people actually sit down and read the Bible, uh, those numbers aren't that great, especially among Christians. A recent uh, research study found that only 45% of those who regularly attend church read the Bible more than once a week. Over 40% of the people attending read their Bible occasionally, maybe once or twice a month. Almost one in five churchgoers say they never read the Bible, essentially the same number who read it every day. And to give you kind of an idea of the effect of that, like it's not just about whether or not you recognize Bible jokes when you see them on the, on the, on the movie. There's some studies done in the United Kingdom, which is obviously a post-Christian uh, culture, kind of where we're headed and have been for, for, quite a, for quite a while. And there are questions about the Bible asked about kids and, and adults. And I, I just want to give you some of the percentages of, um, of how British parents responded to some questions. Around 30% of parents didn't know that Adam and Eve, David and Goliath, or the Good Samaritan are in the Bible. 27% think that Superman is or might be a biblical story. More than one in three believes the same about Harry Potter. And more than half, 54%, believe the Hunger Games is or might be a story from the Bible. 
let's be honest, it absolutely could be an Old Testament story easily. I mean, some of those things, it, like it totally makes sense. <laughs> Volunteers tribute, you know. The, anyway, the biblical illiteracy among those who don't go to church or don't believe isn't really the issue. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about biblical illiteracy within the church. Among professing believers and followers of Jesus, not reading the Bible impacts us a lot more than we might think. And I get that we get busy and we have things that are going on, but reading the Bible is the number one predictor of spiritual maturity. Whether or not we take time to read scripture. There's a fondness that we have for the Bible, which is great and what it represents, but there's a great lack of reading either because we're unhealthily busy in our schedules or because we watch TV or we lack the motivation to do things that are healthy for us. It's a nice way of saying we're lazy. So let me share, let me share some statistics some more statistics borne out by the research from the Center for Bible Engagement, and they've surveyed more than 200,000 people across the world since 2003 about their spiritual lives and reading the Bible. And here are the, some conclusions that they made. Reading the Bible four plus times per week decreases your odds of giving in to these temptations. Drinking to excess, viewing pornography, having sex outside marriage, lashing out in anger, gossiping, neglecting family, overeating or mishandling food, mishandling money. All right, so your percentages drop by that much by reading the Bible four plus times per week. Okay, here's another one. Reading the Bible four plus times per week decreases your odds of dealing with these issues. Feeling bitter, thinking destructively about yourself, feeling like you have to hide what you do or feel, having difficulty forgiving others, feeling discouraged, experiencing loneliness, Man, I, I could use some of that. How about this one? Reading the Bible four plus times per week gives you significantly higher odds of giving financially to a church. See, you were about to read your Bible until that one came up, right? <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm totally, totally kidding. Discipling others, sharing your faith with others. I mean, that, that, those percentages are huge. And here's the last one. Reading the Bible four plus times per week gives you significantly lower odds of feeling spiritually stagnant and feeling like you can't please God. Those are some amazing percentages. Those are some life-changing, earth-shattering, generational affecting percentages in how the Bible changes and impacts our lives. And here's the mic drop truth that this research bore out. The lives of Christians who do not engage the Bible most days of the week are statistically the same as the lives of non-believers. It's, it's a little frightening. The implications of whether or not we spend time reading about what we believe in matters. Inasmuch as my deep conviction about the difference Jesus has made in my life and, and, and how much I know that can be true for you and why I might preach what I preach about and why we focus what we do in as a church, my deepest hope and desire is that you get to know and experience this for yourself. More so than anything, I care a lot less about preaching an amazing sermon and much more about you knowing that content that I might share on a Sunday morning actually exists in Scripture. Knowing what the Bible says is the difference maker in your life, in your being, in your doing, and following and experience Jesus, experiencing Jesus in your life. 
Now, all of that, of course, is influenced by how we think about thinking about the Bible. You've probably heard some flavor of phrase to summarize what the Bible is. It's the story of God. It's a love letter. It's an instruction manual. You know, the thing that guys don't read. <laughs> um, and while there are elements to each of those things that are true, here's the definition we're going to be working with in this, in this series. The Bible is God's preserved message of his redemption of and relationship with humanity. In two words, I would say it's, it's God's word. The Bible deals in the past, the present, and the future. It's relatable and relevant regardless of culture or ethnicity. It is the special revelation of the character and nature of God and how his existence defines ours. And its contents didn't remain an oral tradition of a particular people group, but became a written invitation into the best news that we can have about the human condition. We can study it, we can explain it, we can apply it, and experience the effect that it has on ourselves and others. It is transformative. And let me read a passage of scripture for us. Psalm chapter 119, verses 9 through 16. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. You might want to highlight, underline, circle, box out, verse 11. This is a good one to have memorized. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. My lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. When we read the Bible, it changes our life. There's a little bit of a caveat, though. The context matters. You can't just pop open a book and read a verse and assume that it applies to your life. Here's, here's a good hermeneutical principle. Hermeneutic, uh, hermeneutical principle means how we interpret the Bible. Um, a text without a context is just a pretext. And let, let me explain what I mean by that through a corny preacher illustration. Is that cool? I don't ever use these, so I'm excited about this one. So there's a, there's a preacher, he's driving down the road. Um, he, his car breaks down, and after ca calling for a tow truck, he goes into uh, a local bar to, to use the phone, and he sees Frank, someone that he used to see pretty regularly at church. He's, he's not looking very well, and so he goes up and talks to Frank, and the preacher says, Frank, what, what happened, man? What's, what's going on? You're, you're not looking all that great. I mean, you've, you've been a wealthy person for a very long time. What's, what's happening in your life? And he says, well... I made some bad financial moves, I made some bad investments, and, and so this is kind of where I, where I am, I'm trying to drown my sorrows and, and get away from those bad memories. And, and the preacher said, well, Frank, what you need to do is you need to take your Bible, you need to open it up, you need to put your finger down, and whatever, wherever you put your finger, God has a word for you, he's got a message for you that'll change your life. And so if several weeks go by, and the preacher sees Frank, and Frank has got He's got a Mercedes, he's got a Gucci suit on. I don't know if Gucci does suits or not like that. I know they do tennis shoes, uh, I, know, I know that. Um, maybe an Armani suit, and he's, he's looking great, and the preacher says, Frank, like what, what happened in your life, what changed? And Frank said, um, preacher, I owe it all to you. I opened my Bible, put my finger down the page, and there was the answer, chapter 11. I told you it was a corny preacher joke. <laughs> Bankruptcy, chapter 11, okay. All right, it was, it was awful. Did you know that the chapters and the verses, like in, in the Bible, those numbers and stuff like that, they weren't originally in the text when the authors wrote those things? <laughs> like the, those are not part of the inspired 
you know, word of God. That was just to help us memorize and look up things a little bit easier. And sometimes we bring kind of our own lens, our own bias to the text and expect that, you know, the Bible has something to say. It's just about us, maybe. And that if we find a verse that says something that we want to be the case, then like that's the thing that we're going to claim. We're going to pull that out and, and, and use that for, for ourselves. Um, the, the Bible is transformative, but recognize that we come with a bias and to be cautious of that bias and how we interpret its meaning. In, in other words, here, here's what I want to say. We don't get to pick and choose what's real and what's true about what God has to say to us. We have the privilege to strive to understand and discern what God wants for us through his word, through the help of the Holy Spirit. But it's why we continue to read it, why we continue to study it, rather than just kind of let it sit on our shelves or maybe just pick it up just one time and kind of read through it and give it a cursory glance. Life isn't static. As we grow and as we change, as we make choices and experience circumstances, scripture is just as relevant as we go as it was when we started. And so it's worth continuing to study and continue to have as a regular rhythm in our life. Let me read from Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. Now I'm going to jump to Hebrews 4 verse 9. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Verse 12 is a good one to highlight and remember. For the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God's message to us is alive, it's active, and we've been privileged to have it in written form, but it's not alive and active it's, if it's collecting dust on our shelves or if we're not living out what it says. God's word directs the very thing that we allow to direct our lives, our hearts. Sin is the thing that seeks to, to direct our heart in any other direction other than God. It literally means, the word sin literally means to miss the mark. And God's word, his preserved message of redemption and relationship with us, points us to the mark. So here, here's the thing I want to say in, in case, I, I know not, not all of us are fully convinced that the scripture is something that should be authoritative for our lives, that we might have some concerns or even some outright objections to the Bible. And I want to say and recognize, and, and I'm wholly committed to this, that faith is certainly a necessary component of the trust and hope that we have through its words. But I'm also hoping that over the next four weeks, hopefully you stick with us in this series, that you'll be open to understanding some things about the text that you may have taken for granted before. There's a lot of big words that I would love to get into, and I could, man, I could keep going, all right? We could talk about inerrancy, we could talk about infallibility, we could talk about historicity, reliability, we could talk about, is the Bible literal? Here's a phrase I want you to chew on for that one, but this is, this is a bonus here. Literal as intended, all right? So hang, hang on to that, put that in your back pocket for the next few weeks. But let me sum up all of that for us by saying this. 
when it comes to the Bible, we're the ones who bring the mess to the text. And, and so let, let's just be honest uh, about some of those things. Maybe some of the issues that we have with the Bible is not, not so much about the Bible itself, but it, it, it has more to do with us. Maybe you've some, heard of some of the Bibles that have had mistakes or misprints uh, put, put in them. Have you heard of some of these? The Sin On Bible? The first English language Bible to be printed, printed in Ireland in 1716 encouraged its readers to sin on more rather than to sin no more. Did you hear about that one? Uh, a similar error in 1653 had declared, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall inherit the kingdom of God? <laughs> that's, funny, that's funny to me. There's another one, the Wicked Bible, that one's, more, that one's more popular. In 1631, reported that the seventh commandment as thou shalt commit adultery. Did you hear, did you hear about that one? Um, King Charles ordered all those copies destroyed and fined all the printers, you know, had, had a hand in that. Like, some of the problems that we have with the Bible are really because of what we bring to the table. But if we continue on with God's word directing our hearts, what we'll find is that it's more powerful than our ability to get things wrong and to mess them up. 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Here's another good one to highlight. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so here's, here's kind of the challenge that I'd like to lay out for us as a congregation as we go through the series over the next four weeks. I just want to challenge you to read your Bible over the next four weeks. Now, maybe you've gotten out of the habit or you've been in the habit and, and, and maybe it's just not happening that often or whatever the case may be. Maybe things have, have, have been crazy in your life, that, that kind of thing. And I totally get all those things, but I want to challenge you to read your Bible. And to be more specifically, I want you to read your Bible. I want to challenge you to read your Bible at least four times or more each week over the next four weeks for at least 10 minutes. That's half a Netflix, all right? I might be able to might might be able to make that happen, and here are a couple things. Um, here are a couple tools that. Are, well, well, the first thing is we we have like real tangible paper Bibles that we give away for free, out in the lobby, and we would love for you to have that. We would love for you to start in there to read that. If you're looking for a place to start to read, start in the Gospel of John. It's all about Jesus. That's what it all boils down to anyway. But we'll talk about that more in the in the in the coming weeks. There's a table of contents in the front. So it'll help you find, find the page. You can also download, uh, we, we sh showed this earlier when Adrian was talking about this. You can download YouVersion, the Bible app. You can listen to it. Like if you're like, oh, I don't, I'm not a big reader, that kind of thing. You, they have audio. There are different translations that you can, you can check out. They have reading plans. They have a verse of the day. I mean, so th there's a lot of opportunity there for, for you to get into God's Word. Uh, the other thing is, there is a website that I want to let you know about. It's called thebibleproject.com. Thebibleproject.com uh, does a lot of uh, work in helping us and helping uh, readers of the Bible to know what the context is of 
the books or the letters or the things that they're reading. It even deals with some themes that are in the Bible, um, and those are all video-based, and so you can check those out. And so if you go and read in the, uh, the Gospel of John, you can go to thebibleproject.com, look up John, and they will give you an introduction to what John is, the writing of John, who John is, all of those kinds of things, which will be really powerful for your scripture reading as well. Here's, here's why the Bible matters. Because the Bible doesn't just matter because it's God's word. Right? The Bible matters because not because of just about the claims that it make, makes about itself, but it matters because of Jesus. And what, what I mean by that is before the Bible was even compiled in its formal way that we have now, which is amazing and it's awesome. We have people uh, here at our church that have been a part of uh, translating the Bible in other languages so that people around the world can have a Bible of their very own and people are so excited about that and they can't wait to get their hands on a Bible because they've never had one before. And, 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 and that's amazing. But it all was now because of Jesus. Before, before we even had that completed text, people, people's lives were changed, the world was changed because of what had happened with Jesus and his followers. Before, before the book was ever, all these 66 books were put together and bound together. The, the world was changing because of Jesus' resurrection. And, and that's, that's why it matters. It's because of him. In John chapter 1, verse 14, John writes, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. It matters because people experienced and reacted to the resurrected Jesus who had transformed their lives and their world, and they pay, passed on that grace and truth to others. And we have the privilege to understand and to experience that more and more through the gift of the living word. So I want to encourage you, read it, live it, and it will change everything for you in your life and for the people around you and the circumstances that you experience. Let's pray together. God, we, uh, we thank you for Jesus, the word, who came and sacrificed himself for us. And God, we thank you for the written word that we have to, to know you more, uh, to know Jesus better, to know how we're able to experience the indwelling of your Holy Spirit. God, we praise you and thank you for uh, the ability that we have to engage with your word in this way. We just, we just ask that you, uh, um, that you remind us, that you convict us with your Holy Spirit to take time to be in it. God, we thank you for the life change that you produce. You change our whole, our, not, not just our experience here uh, in life on this earth, but we, you change our whole entire eternity. And the words of life that we get to experience and share are, are right here with us. We get to carry them around uh, in our pockets. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for that gift. And um, God, we, uh, we seek to honor you by by allowing that to gift to be a regular uh, part of our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Every week at Velocity, we take communion together. We take a little bit of bread and we take a little bit of juice to remind ourselves of the sacrifice that Jesus made um, that, that changes our lives, that makes living this life uh, all the more worth it. 
uh, gives us the hope and trust that we have through, uh, through God's word. So we're going to celebrate in that time right now.